years ahead of the dominant media. FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net. Around the world and on satellite. Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. We're uh, we're talking about cause and effect, and cause and effect has to do with the the events that are surrounding us that happen to us. Obviously, if someone uh, uh, steps on your toe, you may become upset. You will feel pain. Uh, you could feel anger. Uh, you could feel resentment. Uh, those causes of the pain, the someone stepping on your tongue, toe may have been an accident, may have been malicious, and all that is a part of the cause that comes about and creates the effect of the pain. The resentment and anger and judgment that comes also are part of that cause and effect. Yet somewhere in all this, there is free will. This cause and effect that comes about in our, uh, the events of our lives is creating new causes and new effects. Somewhere in all this, there is choice. As I said, someone may stomp on your toe by accident. They may do it on purpose. The event may look exactly the same, the same amount of pressure, but because someone intentionally did it, it brings with it a new element to the cause. And that intent changes our reaction because we react to that intent with a new intent, an intent to judge or intent to fight back, intent to get vengeance. All these are the results of choices. So even in a cause and effect universe, everything is not automatically chemically the resulting reaction physical resulting reaction. There is a spiritual influence in this world of cause and effect. If you choose not to become angry, if you choose not to be resentful, can you even do that? Do you have the ability to make that choice? Are you completely subject to your environment? Is there free will? Uh, a lot of people like to believe that everything is predestined, that you have no choices, that, uh, you know, God chose you and that's it, and you're just a puppet in his hand. The reality is God has given us free will. 
we do not exercise it as freely as we would like to think. Our, the vanity in us wants to make us think that every decision we make is, is based on whatever is going on in our head. But the, the truth is what's going on in our head is the result of what's going on in our head. And a lot of what's going on in our head has been put there by others. It has been put there by previous actions and reactions. We are not masters of ourselves. We are subject to the world, to the flesh, and to the devil, to the influences of our own thinking by our previous thinking. We are a product of our own imagination as much as the imagination of others around us and the effects of others upon us. We make very few decisions simply based on free will because our thinking is very much controlled. Our feelings are very much controlled. And we are not the ones in control. We have to give up resentments of the past. We have to give up anger of the past in order to gain a position of freedom from those things. How do you give up resentment of others? You forgive them. You really forgive them. You have in you a forgiving nature. You cannot even forgive without the grace of God. We are spiritual creatures living in a physical body. The more we fall to the physical, the less influence the spiritual has upon us. Now, what spirit is in us? Is it the spirit of greed and avarice and, and judgment and vanity, or is it the spirit of God? You have to remember all these things we call vice is not really vice, but simply the absence of virtue, the same as uh, darkness is simply the absence of light. So when we have the spirit of God moving in us, living in us, a part of who we are, a part of what we are thinking, uh, we are changed by that spirit living in us. The question is, do we have a home in us for that spirit? Is that spirit compatible in us? And this is where the choice is. You accept or reject the spirit of God, the character of God, the presence of God in, in your life. If you accept the spirit of God, in your life, you are altered by that spirit. If you reject the spirit of God in your life, then other spirits will uh, control you. Other events, uh, other things about you will change you. Your environment, the world, your the flesh in which your spirit lives is part of that too. And Yes, even the influences of others, the evil thoughts, the evil attitudes, the evil spirit of others will enter into you and make your life a shambles. Most of being Christian, which seems because we have a tendency to think that most of slavery is about submission. And yes, it is. But if you submit to the spirit of God, you will be set free by his spirit. He wants you to have free will. He wants you to have choice. But within the parameters of his own being. 
he doesn't want you to be chaos. He wants you to be order. But he wants you to choose order. So most of what is all about this idea of, uh, of God in us is about submitting to his spirit, submitting to his ways, following his ways. And we've got many signposts in history as to what his ways are. And his ways are full of this thing we call virtue. His ways are uh, guided uh, by things like the Ten Commandments. If you're killing people, if you're murdering people, you're probably not following God. If you're, uh, you know, getting married and committing adultery, then you're probably not following God. If you are uh, coveting your neighbor's good, you are probably not submitting to the Spirit of God. You may be submitting to some spirit. It may be very much like God. It may look like God. It may have his same name. You know, you may call it Jesus. You may call it Yeshua. But if you don't have his character, then you're not really doing it in his name. So if you're impatient and angry and judgmental and, and uh, selfish, you probably don't know Christ. And if you are coveting your neighbor's good, and if you're living by the sword of benefactors who exercise authority, you probably don't know Christ. Now, in this day in history, uh, we see uh, Marx, actually it was yesterday in this day in history, uh, Marx Cathedral in Venice was uh, consecrated in 1085. About a thousand years after Christ, which was, you know, like 1030 or so, there was a great many changes taking place in Europe. There were kings rising up, uh, De Bullion, Stephan. Uh, there were others uh, involved in this, including uh, William the Conqueror, Gilliam. This is uh, where they had loyal followers who would pay money to them as their own subjects who would bow down and say, you know, we give fealty to you. But uh, in return, he helped in. in <coughs> we tell a story uh, in the book, Thy Kingdom Come, about, uh, about 600 A.D., where someone was trying to exercise authority over the free inhabitants of a particular area and force them to pay taxes because he was going to protect them. It's kind of, you know, most government is based on the idea of racket. Uh, you pay them from invasion. But then if you don't want to pay them, then you're going to have to hire somebody else to protect you from them <laughs> because uh, they're going to actually find some excuse why they have to stomp on you. And it's due to corruption and, and the general Cain concept of uh, – exercising authority over his brother uh, but this coming understood it there were ministers into the weightier matters of law judgment mercy and faith which is what christ said uh modern ministers say oh that's the job of government we're just supposed to make you feel so men started gathering and came to this local community and said uh, we're going to spank that guy because he is usurping god by placing himself as god over the people uh, he just wants to be their king, but that's 
basically the job of a king to replace God. That's why the first election of a king we see in the Bible, which was Saul, was called the election of God. And still, because they're looking for men who will actually, they're not looking to govern themselves as priests or God. And this is why it was essential to remove the gospel of the kingdom from the gospel and say that it's the gospel of churchanity, which is really what they're saying today. So now we've got this uh, guide and say, no, you can't do that. And when they, they said this where men were free souls under God. So now we have this idea of people actually coming to the aid of each other to prevent someone from usurping authority. But in 1030, 1060, 1066, 1090, we see men gathering together with other men, forming large military groups where they could move armies about and squash anybody who said, no, uh, you can't exercise authority. And, and we talk about this in the Covenants of Gods where suddenly um, – this new king, they'd been kings before, but they weren't the same kind of kings that we see rising up a thousand years after Christ. Uh, they were the kind of kings that were actually servants. They were usually wealthier men. They uh, uh, gave more than half their wealth often to the protection of the weak and the needy, exactly what Saul was doing before they elected him king. But after uh, these men came into power, they began to believe that they were the fountainhead of justice. They were not representatives of the local community anymore. They were now lawmakers. This idea that they could make law and other men had to bow down and serve them, had to contribute to them. They were no longer operated by free will armies, free will uh, social security systems. They began to force these contributions. Even we see... Uh, in the Free Church Report, uh, we with the cover, which is Lady Godiva on the front cover of the Free Church Report, fully dressed, by the way. If you read the cover story on that book, uh, you'll understand what was going on. There was actually a tax being forced by the government. This is all about the time of William the Conqueror and this change in the nature of government that took place a thousand years after Christ. Uh, where they were going to force a tax to give and take care of the needy of their society. And she argued against this. And she argued so well against this, she actually was willing to give up her own wealth. And her husband was so impressed. It was their second husband. Her first husband had died. She was uh, she one of the few women who was mentioned in the Doomsday Book. The Doomsday Book is an interesting book. We'll just uh, digress here for a trail. Doomsday Book was called the Doomsday Book. It was listed in the Doomsday Book. It was Doomsday. This was what they believed was going to be the case. And what was the Doomsday Book? It was the tax rolls. And it was instituted by William the Conqueror to put everybody who owed him fealty in that book. Well, it didn't include all the lands of England, just those who opposed him and had to bow down and swear fealty to him. You know, allegiance, you know, like pledge allegiance to the king. Uh, for which we stand, you know, that kind of thing. You know, we do it with a flag today. But it's the same idea that your allegiance is owed some man or some organization rather than God. And allegiance and faith are, are similar, uh, almost identical terms. 
So where's your faith? Is it in God? Is it in righteousness? Or are you swearing allegiance to other institutions or organizations represented by uh, uh, symbols and other uh, idolatry? Uh, that, that may be a jump for some of you to make, but others who have done a little homework understand where I'm coming from. Um, so this idea of creating these cathedrals, the church was selling out. Uh, it was crowning men like we see with William the Conqueror and Stephen and, and others. They had tried to do this before with Charlemagne, but never really took very well. But now it was taking, and now with the advent of uh, the Crusades, uh, taught men how to uh, uh, put these massive armies into place so that if anybody objected, they were immediately squashed. When America was discovered, there was a new opportunity for a free country. Men came here, men like Roger, talk about changing the environment, the presence of the Indians living in their uh, different systems of self-government, uh, spark new ideas in the minds of people who were also going back and studying the ancient church the way the church used to be, and were beginning to discover this concept of tens, hundreds, and thousands, and forming societies based on faith, hope, and charity. We've gone completely away from that uh, in this century. We have turned to socialism not just recently, a decade where you can actually... Uh, take a man's house away if he doesn't contribute enough to your uh, desire to have public education. And of course, the public education was easily influenced by uh, a little money here and a little money there from outfits like uh, you read our uh, schools as tools or schools uh, to fool uh, a booklet, which we actually just recently uploaded in the study section of uh, uh, the website, hisholychurch.org. Uh, you'll be surprised at how much influence has come because we have had socialist schools for over 100 years in America. And so once you have that, so size nose in the tent, and it's not going to be long until the whole thing is in there, and that's actually what we're seeing now with socialized medicine and socialized old age pensions and socialized this and socialized that. You have become a communist nation. Now, what can you do? Are you going to change that with a vote? No, no way on earth. Uh, people are not going to change that by vote. You can become politically active until you just wear yourself out. What you have to do is start doing what Christ did, start repenting, turning around, and start finding other people who want to repent and turn around and start creating a system that is truly based on faith, hope, and charity, truly based on the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, whatever you want to call it, the name means you're going to be operating by that faith, hope, and charity. It is an enduring truth which can never be altered that every infraction of the law of nature must carry its punitive consequences with it. We can never get beyond that range of cause and effect. If we don't turn around and change what we're doing, we will not change the cause, therefore we will not change the effect. We have to actually start living by faith, hope, and charity and stop just talking about it on Sundays. Cause and effect means and ends 
seed and fruit cannot be served for the effect already blooms in the cause. The end pre-exists in the means, the fruit in the seed. The Romans had a saying, the end justifies the means or might makes right. How does this work? Um, the end does not justify the means. The means justifies the end. Might does not make right. Right makes might. These are reversals of older sayings that we see at the time of Christ when Rome was entering its period of extreme corruption. It had gone from a republic to a, a federal democracy. Uh, we call it an empire because it did began an empire building first commercially and then militarily but in reality it was an indirect democracy that elected the senate and the senate elected its commander-in-chief which we call the emperor he had three offices imperator which means commander-in-chief of the military which was only the army and the navy there was no air force so he could not make fire come down in the sight of men as the image of the beast can but a uh, little hint there read the uh, detailed study of the mark of the beast uh, which we also have uploaded fairly recently on the study section of hisholychurch.org you can actually download it you can take it to a printer and print it out and distribute them yourselves but uh, he also had two other offices, Principas Civitas, which is the chief executive officer of Rome, which meant he was the president of Rome. Uh, these all had terms of office. And the third office, which he requested Augustus, uh, who really wasn't named Augustus, his name was Octavius. Augustus kind of meant savior. Uh, but uh, the third office is Apotheos or Apotheos. Uh, which is the originator of gods, which simply meant he appointed the judges, the federal judges throughout the empire that dealt with federal matters or imperial matters, as we would uh, call it in history. This, this is the identical office of the president of the United States because the United States is made in the image of Rome. It's not, it actually violates the four basic precepts that are written in the Bible uh, that you should write down, it says in the Bible, and your ministers or your priests or whatever you want to call them, should, or your Supreme Court justices should read them to your leaders every day. And all four of those precepts are uh, allowable, or violation of them is allowable by the Constitution, which we talk about in contracts, covenants, and constitutions. But anyway, we're going to take a little break here, and we'll come back and we'll talk about how you can cause a new
You're listening to FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% annually. There is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts, and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make it once. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Have you seen Loose Change, the most popular documentary in the 911 Truth Movement? With the coming change in government, now is the time to push for justice and get this true, Americans. First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, California, 93274. Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we had uh, a couple of announcements here. We had the retreat. It was a pretty good retreat. Uh, it was actually uh, better in some ways than many of the others. I think it was because many contact ministers showed up and, and ministers of congregations of record and people that are actually taking the time and work that is so necessary for a free government and scratch the surface of the potential. We need to focus on the basic principles of uh, faith and love for one another and build those relationships on the ground in local areas and that foundation for tending to those weight, law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Also, I have made a few adjustments uh, on uh, the sound here, for some reason, our sound to the the radio station, even though we're now using an equalizer and everything, is not always as it uh, We're uh, testing a number of different ways. I've just uh, actually changed a couple of knobs, in fact. Uh, but I ha- do have another SIN knob that I can turn up just slightly to see if that improves the sound. And people that are emailing us and letting us know they can tell me whether that has improved or what it was before the break. And uh, anyway, we're going to be talking again about this cause and effect. 
uh, how can you stay cause and cause and effect? You can go to comply with the way in which you think it, things ought to be done. But if you do that, then you become subject to their majority vote. And I can guarantee you the majority of the people in the world are wicked, selfish, and not following the ways of Christ. Now, the only way that's going to change is that large numbers of die off because man is a sinner. Man has turned, and you can only change yourself. So what you can do is gather together with others that are changing uh, the same as you are changing. In Romans 3:28, we see, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. What law? Once is Christ, they were cast out of that system, and the laws that govern that system no longer govern this. And we had a different kind of system. So uh, we're we're actually trying to adjust knobs here a little bit. Uh, uh, and I was getting some feedback. Anyway, um, in Romans nine thirty through thirty three, we say, "What shall we say then?" that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stones. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Remember that these people in in Judea had fallen prey to the idea that you can legislate morality. You could force contributions of the people and therefore guarantee their social welfare. This is a problem that crops up throughout history in many different ways. One way we see it is when the people decided to create a democracy and elect Saul as their king. And when they did that, they rejected God because they wanted this man to exercise authority and rule over them. They talk about it in Proverbs, about how to consent not because the net that you're laying to lurk privately for the blood of your neighbor, you yourself will be caught in. And, of course, that's what they had done. Christ freed them from that law because he was a king who offered a baptism where the government of Christ operated by faith, hope, and charity. This is why the church was called a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire by uh, Gibbons why he praised the union and discipline of the Christians. It was self-discipline. It was people who were caring for one another. Once you understand the history of the what was actually going on and what, what uh, factions were at the altar of God, we have an article in the, or a chapter in the, uh, 
the book that kingdom come after death pharisees who believed that it was okay to force your neighbor to do what was right um you had the essenes who operated completely on faith hope and charity and believed that the interpretation of the torah by the pharisees was a fiction and a fraud and would have nothing to do with animal sacrifice which you can go read uh, uh both the book thy kingdom come or the pamphlet uh sophistry uh, and sacrifice and understand what was really going on then <coughs> In Ephesians 3.17, we see that by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. In 10.38, now uh, the just draw back to what? Draw back to not living by faith, going back to the system of the Pharisees and their system of Corbin that was forced offerings, uh, compelled offerings by statute, because you're not living by faith. And he wasn't going to have anything to do with you. The Christians were uniquely living by, actually living by faith, hope, and charity. Christians today don't live by faith, hope, and charity. They pray daily to those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And Christ cannot be in them. That's a terrible disappointment. They're not going to accept that. But I feel this emotional thing in me that Christ loves me. Well, he does love you, and that's why he sent his prophets to tell you that you're under a strong delusion and you're doing contrary to the ways of Christ. You have gone the ways of the Pharisees. You have signed up for the Corbin that makes the word of God to none effect, and you can't get out of it because you're in debt. Christ paid your debt once, but you went out and created a new debt. The dog has returned to the vomit and the pig to his mire. So what are you going to do? Repent and seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have to still pay your tally of bricks, but you're going to have to start looking for your benefits in the field through faith, hope, and charity. And you might as well start now because they're going to be cutting out the benefits. And, you, and that extra strain, that's part of your recompense. You know, that's your killing of the dove. Because when it talks about sacrificing a dove in the Old Testament, they're not talking about a dove. They're not talking about killing a dove, the reparation of your sins. That's part of that fiction and the fraud perpetrated by the Pharisees. And it is right that most Christians today have followed the Pharisees because they have also followed the Pharisees in their own Christian religion. They have gone right back in the same bondage that the Pharisees brought Israel or Judea into. They have rejected Moses. They have rejected Christ. And they still profess his name, but I think there's something in the Bible about taking his name in vain. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, prepared an ark to the saving of by the which he condemned the world. And became, by faith, he sojourned in the land almost as in a strange country dwelling in a tabernacle. This is Abraham who did forsook his inheritance and obeyed and went out not knowing whither he went. This is what the ministers of uh, Christ need to do. They need to forsake their inheritance. 
They need to go out and trust in the ways of the Lord. And, you know, I myself am confronted with that daily. Uh, we don't have enough time to go into the structure of the church and how it works, but God is empowering the individual. He is not creating boards of directors. He is not creating congresses of lawmakers. He is not creating rulers who exercise authority. Don't they do? But you have no right to exercise authority over that donation once you let it go. And he has every right to share with you what he's doing or not. He is not subject to your whim and you are not subject to his. If you want him to be subject to yours, then you want to hew the stones of God's altar and that is wrong. James 2.14, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute for daily food? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to do anything about it? Well, if you see somebody naked and starving, sure, you're going to help them, but you need to come together in a network so you can find out if he's destitute or starving or naked. Uh, we had uh, recently somebody uh, broke into somebody's email and claimed they needed help in England because they were stranded in the airport. Typical, typical uh, uh, spoof scenario to get money out of people. Uh, we need to know, we get this all the time where people are constantly saying they need help. You never even hear from them until they need help. We need to hear from you and your desire to help others, and then we know that you're worthy of help. We are looking for the deserving poor, the deserving needy, not the slothful. If we just give to you because you have a need, then we may be catering to your weakness. And in a time of our affluence, we are not strengthening the poor, but weakening the poor. In order to give charity with discretion and honor, tending to those weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. We need to know who you are. We need to know about you. We need to know what your true needs are, what your true capacities are. And in order to do that, we need those on the ground with ministers who know you and ministers who know each other. And that is the system of God. But it takes some men stepping out on, in faith to make that work. So what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it, it profit? This, this goes on every day in the churches. Oh, we'll pray for you. But you're not doers of the word. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show, you, show thee my faith by my works. 
Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devil also believes and trembles. So believing that Jesus is God or believing in God is not enough. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believeth in God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. I don't know what can be clearer to you. These people who sit in the pews, warming the pews, saying they believe in Jesus, and the only hands they raise, they simply wave above their head. Jesus is going to wave bye-bye to those folks. You need to become doers of the word. Christ was explicit in this. In order to be doers in the word, you need to come together to be efficient doers in the word. In coming together, you're going to find conflict between each other, and you're going to step on each other's toes, and you're going to have the opportunity to forgive so that ye also may be forgiven. You're going to need to come together and be honest men in Christ and say, you're wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm right. Whatever it is, you need to have that coming together and work out your salvation with each other with fear and trembling. My faith only likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Do we understand what it means to be the faithful? To live by faith, by hope, by charity, it requires your due diligence. In the statement we see in the Bible studies so that you show yourself approved, the word study there is actually the word diligent. Be diligent. Diligent in what? Diligent in your striving for the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And you can only do that if you come together with others. Do not sit on the Living Network or on the network and just be silent person waiting for emails. When people reach out and say, how do we meet with others in this area? Tell them who you are. Tell them where you're at. You can, get, you, you can be general, but tell them so that they understand that you're maybe only blocks away or maybe in the next town. And then work diligently to find all the other lost sheep. When sheep get lost out in the desert, a few of them, three or four, I found three lost uh, out there, actually four lost, got separated in the thick brush, and they didn't know where the rest of the herd was. And then suddenly I'm standing there, and they didn't know where to go. And they looked at me, and they thought about bolting, and I just stood there for a while until they got used to the idea, and then I moved 
where the other sheep weren't, and those sheep started drifting away. And slowly I moved them across the field and over the hill and around the bend, and suddenly they saw the sheep and they bleated for them and they came together. If I had pushed them, they would have run the opposite direction I wanted them to go. <laughs> that's the way they are, and that's the way people are, and I am not going to push you. But I'm going to say, it's not over there. It's not in the systems of the world. It's in the systems of Christ. I'm going to show you the way to the systems of Christ, but you must decide to go there. I will not sign you up. I will not bring you in. I will not pin you in. I will not force you down the chute of Christ. You need to make your own decisions to go that way or not, and every step you take brings you closer to Christ. If you take that step with a desire to serve others, because that was the desire of Christ, he came to serve, not be served. Do you come and join in the network for what you can get out of it? Do you, do you uh, obtain the books? You can obtain them free on the Living Network, but do you seek to obtain them for free because you just want to get something for yourself? If you do, you don't have the Spirit of Christ, and this journey will give you no, no satisfaction because of what we said earlier about this cause and effect. This cause and effect is already uh, in the seed of what you are doing. Cause and effect means an end. Seed and fruit cannot be served for the effect already blooms in the cause. The end pre-exists in the means, the fruit in the seed. If you come to join in the Living Network for what you can receive out of it, then your fruit is one of selfishness, and the effect will be selfishness. If you come because you come to give, to bless others, then you in turn will be blessed. This is the nature of Christ. This is the nature of the kingdom. It is the nature you must have to obtain the re re uh, desired effect. If your desire is to be benefited, Rather than benefit others, then, then in your desire is already written the effect. You will become the benefit of others <laughs> because that's what you want. You want benefit for yourself. You will not be blessed. And the others that you will be a benefit to will probably not be us because we will be separate. And you will find reasons to separate yourself out. There's a lot of things going on in the news today uh, that uh, I haven't talked about uh, and we're not going to get to. But uh, after the show, we'll have talk show and uh, you can ask questions and maybe we will take things in another direction. But you must change inside yourself in order to brought the changes in your society. And until men change, governments will not change. So until we meet again, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. 